Welcome to Solo Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your solo cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome to Solo Cleaning School. All right, we're going to get a little bit real in this episode. There has been so much back and forth, so much talk. COVID-19 has been such a massive, massive pandemic to the likes I've never seen in my lifetime and many as well. Even speaking with my grandfather, who's in his 80s and said, hey, Pop, have you ever seen or experienced anything like this? He was born in 1936. And he says, no, there's nothing he's ever been through in his life that's anything like this, where they would shut down the nation for this long And I have to admit, in the beginning, I really questioned why we were going on such a stringent, required quarantine, and we couldn't do anything, businesses were closing, and I started watching a lot of my friends in this industry, their businesses get wiped out because people in fear, they don't want anyone in their house, and it's totally understandable. There are some people that are extremely sensitive about corona and keeping it away from them. And on the other side of the spectrum, there's people that are completely, I don't want to say insensitive, but they're just not as affected. And they're like, okay, no, no big deal. Everyone's going to get the virus. So let's just let them all get it and group immunity or community immunity. Is that what it's called? (laughs) Community immunity. Honestly, I'm not even sure where to start with this episode because so much has changed in the last five days for me personally and how I perceive this virus and how it's affected me personally. And I do want to get to that. There's just a couple things I want to share. So I don't have a specific teaching in this episode. I just want to try and connect with each of you on a human level. I mean, this is a cleaning business. This podcast is designed to help you grow your cleaning company, your solo cleaning company. But when you step back, what is the cleaning business for? Well, the cleaning business is a great business. It serves the community while providing a great income that will allow your family to enjoy the life that you have. So it serves the community and it also provides the income, right? But what happens when this virus that at one time was so far away from you has now come close to home and that very family life, enjoying a family life, as I just mentioned, when that's under attack? That's when things get real. And that's what I want to talk to you about here in this episode. Where we live in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, it was March 15th. I remember it clearly because that was that was our wedding anniversary. Teresa and I were planning on going away for our 17th anniversary honeymoon retreat. We do this every year. My mother-in-law watches our kids. So thankful for that. And Teresa and I get four days away, just us, and it's so refreshing. We talk business, we watch movies, they got the jacuzzi tub, we have nice meals, and it just helps recenter us as a couple. And it also gives us an opportunity to kind of put a staple at the end of a year's worth of family and business life and start off afresh for the next fiscal year that we run essentially from April to the end of March because that's around our honeymoon retreats. And on March 15th, we had to make a tough decision to cancel the trip this year because COVID-19 was getting real and 
our county in Pennsylvania was the worst in the state at that point. I think half the cases in all of Pennsylvania were through our county. And our governor put essentially a squash on everything within the next 14 days of that. So we decided to stay home. It was tough. We thought we'd end up going in April, maybe May. But here's what ended up happening. March 15th, 16th, 17th, we did not go to this retreat. We were home. I think it was a few days later, the schools were shut down and all the kids came home. Now we're homeschoolers, it didn't affect us, but yet lots of other families were affected. And then a week later, all the businesses were shut down. That didn't affect me as much because I'm an essential business with cleaning. However, it did affect my income and we lost some clients temporarily that needed to put their service on hold because they didn't have the money coming in. Jobs were being put on pause. And then it was another week later when the president signed the CARES Act into law. And then it seems that everything changed gears to the stimulus and the PPP and the SBA and the EIDL and this loan and that loan. And how can I get the money to support the family and keep my employees on? And there was a lot, a lot of talk about how businesses were going to survive because they were forced to shut down. And I admit, I went all in on this conversation and I went away from the health part of the coronavirus. Now, yeah, I did check the news and the local news every night and we were very precautious and still are about the virus. And I would see the numbers, oh, five new cases, 10 new cases. You see the numbers rising day to day. 50 new cases, the first death. And you're like, oh my gosh, someone died from this thing locally. Boy, but you just look at it on a screen and you see the number one, representing one death. And then over time, you see that number going up. And was I affected by it? Sure, it's it's really hard to see that number going up. But they weren't anyone that I knew. They weren't people that I loved or knew. And so to me, it was just a number. And I was still digging into the whole financial piece and what was me, how are we going to recover? And I think a lot of us are in this boat. And I think that is also what's fueling a lot of, we got to get back to work. We got to open the country back up. And I agree. I am not a politically charged person. I don't have a strong opinion about any of the things that are floating around through all the various political networks. I just don't want to go there at all. But I do know that there is the raging debate and there's all kinds of protests and people, they want the country open so they can get back to their livelihood. Yes, that's a good thing. We need that. And there's a whole nother part of the country that wants to just wait it out a little more because maybe in their world, they have seen the devastation of the coronavirus and how quickly it can spread. And I don't know which camp you are in. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Neither camp is wrong. What I have come to understand this week is the camp that you're in is determined by the personal experiences you've had. And so I'm going to share a personal experience that I've now had in the past five days. I'm the oldest of five children on my mom's side. My mom and dad had me when they were very young. They were divorced, each remarried, and had more kids. On my mom's side, it's me, and then my mother and stepdad had four more children. I'm 12 years older than the batch of four that are 
younger than me, but I will say that I am very close with my three sisters and one brother. I am so proud of what they've accomplished, and it's a huge reason why we moved from New York back to Pennsylvania, because two of my sisters got married and had little babies, and now I'm an uncle, and I just wanted to be around them. My kids have cousins. That's such a draw. And two of my sisters are practicing nurses. They're just doing so great. My other sister studying to be a teacher, just like her mama. And my brother is just newly graduated, and he's bigger than me. He might be younger, but he's way bigger. And he's my uh, personal trainer, and he's got a background with like kinesiology, and he'll probably do something with chiropractic. So I'm just very proud of my younger brother and sisters. And I was even prouder when I saw that my two sisters were on the front lines, serving their community and treating corona patients. But it did get real, where just before Easter, and we didn't know this as a family, but just before Easter, one of my sisters, who's treating a COVID-19 patient in her hospital, and she was wearing a full hazmat suit, you know, the, the PPE, the masks, the gloves. I mean, she was covered head to toe, and she's treating that patient, and you would think that you're invincible. You can't contract the disease, the virus, if you're that protected. But it just isn't true. Now, we don't have proof that this is how my sister contracted the coronavirus. We don't know that for sure. And I also don't share this story if my sister is listening to make her feel guilty because this isn't your fault. Things happen. But it's an illustration of how aggressive this virus is. And listen to what happened. And this is my family. It's hit home. Easter happened a few days after my sister was treating that COVID-19 patient. She had the virus. She did test positive a few days after Easter. And at that Easter celebration, two of my sisters, my sister's husband, my little two-year-old niece, my mom, my stepdad, they enjoyed a wonderful Easter together, unbeknownst to anyone that one of them had the corona. And I think this is the case for many of us. Who really knows who's had it, who's not? Who's symptomatic, who's not? No one really knows. You can have the best medical advice in the world, and we really don't know. I mean, what if everyone's already had it, and what if not? We just don't know. Within a week of Easter, I got the message that my sister tested positive, and a little bit of panic set in because, oh my gosh, she was around for Easter, and what's going to happen? Well, that's two weeks ago. Here's what's happened. For the first week, I watched as my sister battled through the virus and she expressed her symptoms mildly, but still she went through quite an ordeal and I felt terrible for her trying to check in with my little sis. And then I found out that my other sister started getting symptomatic and my niece was symptomatic. It didn't seem too aggressive, some sniffles, some coughing, a slight fever, uh, but then it kind of progressed, and my sister, the second one, started getting the fevers elevating, and she's feeling awful, and she's sleeping a ton, and she's getting these horrible migraines, and she's just trying to recover, and here she is on the tail end of that, and they're quarantining in the house, but there was two other members of the household that we were most concerned about, and these are the people we did not want to get this virus at all. First is my stepdad, who is a young man, 
in his late 50s, really hasn't had any major health complications, but still pushing 60 and he's a little bit higher risk. And then you've got my mom. She was perfectly healthy my entire childhood, except for the bad habit of smoking. She was very healthy. But in her 30s, when she was having four more kids, she did get gestational diabetes while she was pregnant. And the statistics show that women, I believe less than 3% of women with gestational diabetes during pregnancy ever keep that. Well, my mom was one of the lucky 3%. And at the age of 33, 34, something like that, she had full-blown diabetes. And it wasn't type 2. It was type 1, which is way worse. Type 1, you lose the ability to produce insulin. That's what happens. And so her body went through massive cycles of high and low sugar and that kind of fatigue of high sugar, low sugar. And I mean numbers, if you know blood sugar at all, low numbers under 50, high numbers over 600. These kind of numbers, until she got it under control, started causing tremendous damage to her body, to her nervous system, her eyes, her ears, her bones. It has been so sad to watch this progress for the past 20-some years. And she's a great teacher, special ed. She still has former students contacting her, thanking her for changing their life. I'm so proud of her. She's had a wonderful career and she's helped so many people. And it's just been so sad to watch her health deteriorate. And in her mid-50s, she had to officially retire and go on full-time disability because she couldn't work anymore with the complications from type 1 diabetes. So if you're out there and you know someone with type 1 diabetes, you know it's a dreadful disease and it's very difficult on the person. And so we knew as a family, we need to keep corona away from mom because the diabetes. What could that do to her? And so when we found out that it was in the home, there was a lot of concern. And sure enough, you can see where I'm going with this. Today's May 1st, as I record this episode, she tested positive for COVID-19. I don't know the exact date. It's been kind of a blur. But in the last five days, my mom's condition has gone to bad, to worse, to being admitted into the hospital for four days on oxygen with double pneumonia in both lungs and watching her in pain from the diabetes, out of control sugar from the diabetes, but monitoring her heart and breathing and oxygenation levels. And the worst of it is that you can't even be there. All I can do is rely on my sisters who are nurses to call in and check on mom and give us updates and jump on the Zoom platform to do little family updates and what should we do about this and what what about this if this happens and we're just planning it all out. And I send out prayer requests, both Teresa and I, to our friends, to family, to church members and people are praying and we're believing that she's going to come through this and get healed and it starts to work. And you see her getting better and you're getting better reports from the hospital. And then you hear that she's going to get released and discharged. And it's, yay, everyone's happy. The family is celebrating. We're talking about how we're going to have this big Zoom party and have mom on the call and see all of her kids because we can't visit her in person. And we have it all planned out. In the back of my mind, here's what I'm thinking. We're going to keep praying. We're not out of the woods yet. She still needs to take care of herself at home. And that's kind of what happened. She had a really rough night, her first night back. She had an oxygen tank and she really struggled with it. She did not want to use the oxygen. 
So she battled with kind of taking the oxygen out and then her numbers would plummet. My sister, who's not the nurse, the teacher, she's in there from two o'clock in the morning all the way through the night taking care of her mom so that she's getting oxygen and and wondering what to do and just exhausted and she's still getting over coronavirus herself and then she wakes me up. Well, I was already up actually, but she calls me at 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. Kenny, I don't know what to do. I think we need to get mom to the hospital. I said, what do you mean? She just got back. And then I hear the story. And then it's two hours of convincing mom to go to the hospital. And then it's all day calling about her and seeing how she's doing. And then dad has to go to the hospital because he's struggling too. That's what these last five days have been. Right now, as I record this, my mom is admitted again for a second time in a different hospital. And I don't want to be dramatic and say she's fighting for her life, but she is. She needs to get the pneumonia cleared out of her system. She needs to overcome and win this fight against corona. She needs to clear the pneumonia. And she needs to be stable with her sugar and everything. She is not out of the woods. And the family is worried. Really worried, to say the least. No, we're still praying. We don't know how this is going to end up. Obviously, we want mom and dad to come home safely for this household that's been through torture for the past two weeks to get better. But I just want to say, if you're out there, and you've been touched by the coronavirus, and it's intersected your life in a way like it's intersected mine. Maybe it's a loved one, your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister like me. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's you. And you've been touched by this, and you've seen how one person getting it can quickly spread to a whole family. If you're that person, and you hear me right now, just know that I understand what you're going through. And if that puts you in the camp, like I am starting to shift to of, you just don't know how bad this virus really is. Let's not jump into life like it was too quickly. And I'm not doing political things at all. I'm just saying that my perspective has been rocked. And not because I'm in fear, but I've just seen how violent and how vicious and how fast this thing really spreads. And so if you're listening to me and you're in New York City or Northern Jersey or some parts of California that have been affected by this virus so dramatically and have seen how fast it can spread when people don't take it seriously enough, I'm sure you're probably thinking, well, duh, I'm listening to this podcast and I've said this for weeks. I've had a brother or sister and some of you may even have a loved one or a friend that has passed and you've lost them through this virus and I am so sorry and I pray that you're doing well and you're recovering from this and the grief and you're going to get over this and I also pray that I won't be joining you. I don't want to go through the pain of losing my mom from this virus. I know I'm rambling all over the place in this episode and you're like, Ken, you're normally so composed. Well, I'm not. I'm all out of sorts. I'm emotional. I'm a wreck. I'm worn out. And like I started in this episode in the beginning Here's what coronavirus was. It was a financial problem on our family, a financial problem for those that I loved and cared about. And the health part of it, it was someone else's problem. And it was numbers increasing on a screen. But in the past five days, the financial thing hasn't changed, but the health part has come close to home. And my perspective is rocked. And I'll just tell you, if this intersects your life, your perspective will be rocked as well. And so whether you're on the camp of go back to work immediately and forget this stuff, or you need to stay in your house for the next two years, whatever camp you're in, 
let's find a happy medium. Let's find a way that we can return to normal life, but we can do so with the most precaution possible. This virus is vicious. It spreads quickly, and it's not going away if we go back to work too soon and we are cavalier about it. Let's take the most precaution. Let's wear our masks as uncomfortable as they are, and let's do the right thing. That's what I want to get across to you guys. And I do want to end on a positive note. I was speaking with my grandma Shelly, and she was the main character in the podcast episode called You Eat With Your Eyes Before You Eat With Your Mouth. I'll link that in the show notes. I was talking to her yesterday on her birthday. We were talking about all of this with my mom and my stepdad, who's her son, and how this has come close to home. And she asked me what I was doing to keep safe and the family. I, I told her, and I asked her how she's keeping safe. And she told me a story. You know, I had my sister over here yesterday and she was on the, the porch with me and we kept our distance and we had a great time communicating, connecting with each other. And I said, oh, that's that's great that you were able to get with your sister. And then she said this, ready? Mind blown, here it comes. She says, I don't practice social distancing, Kenny. I said, Grandma Shelley, what, what do you mean you don't practice social distancing? She says, I practice physical distancing. I said, come again? What do you mean? Well, I keep my distance from people because that's recommended and that's safe. But I don't keep my distance from them socially. We're human beings. We need to be together. We're designed to be in fellowship with each other. And so I do not avoid social settings. And whether that's in person or online, I'm very social but I practice physical distancing very stringently. I say, Grandma Shelly, that is phenomenal. Can I steal that and use that in a podcast episode? She says, yeah, I like the first one you did, so sure, you can quote me again. So thank you, Grandma Shelly, for that fantastic quote. And I think it's a great way to end this episode. All right, well, that was a little bit different of a podcast than usual. And I'm trying to stay upbeat amidst some of the tears I've been shedding today, worrying about my mom, but at the same time, staying in faith that she's going to make it through this. So anyone listening to this and you're a praying person, by all means, pray for my mom. And if you're dealing with corona in the health sense of things and it's hit your family in a way like me, I am so sorry. I understand. I empathize with you. And I think that's where we all need to get to as a society right now. We need to be strong with our beliefs. We need to get back to work. We need to be very careful with how we interact with people and practicing physical distancing as much as possible. All of those things. We need to listen to our leaders, agree or disagree with them. But most importantly, we need to be human and we need to learn the fine art of empathy. We need to learn to give grace to other people that may be struggling with this virus and how it's affected their family. And we don't want to belittle them if they feel like they want to lock up in a cave because maybe they lost someone close to them and they don't want it to happen to them. It's okay. They can act that way. They've experienced what this can do to them. And if you have not experienced this and it's just a financial burden, which is bad enough, right? Have some empathy. They are not just numbers on the screen to that person. Have some empathy. Thank you for listening to Solo Cleaning School. Class is dismissed.